Hello and welcome to the Toolbox Takes podcast brought to you by Ventaroof. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Chris Kashiri, and today is the very first episode of a new podcast series that focus, focuses on and celebrates the hard work of uh, those talented individuals involved in all facets of construction. Uh, each episode, uh, we'll, we interview an expert to further enhance our industry knowledge and hopefully have a little fun doing so. If you want to reach out to our podcast, you can find us at www.ventaroof.com.au. Uh, or on the socials, of course, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Just search for us at Ventaroof. Uh, now, before we get into today's guest, I should probably start with a little bit about myself. So um, I've now been involved in the construction industry for about five years and I'm the national sales manager for a company called Ventaroof. Uh, we supply a national ventilation product for residential and commercial construction. Uh, my role essentially is heavily focused on understanding sustainable buildings, energy efficiency, condensation management, uh, the ongoing, ever-changing National Construction Code, of course, and then educating all the stakeholders, which pretty much includes everyone. So from designers, architects, builders, roofers, roofers tradies, all the way down to your basic uh, business or homeowner, um, so they understand exactly what ventilation is, what the minimum requirements are, what the benefits are, and how they can incorporate into their builds. So that is my role in a nutshell. And that's, I guess, leads us to why we're here and the whole Toolbox Takes podcast, uh, where the mission really is to chat to as many experts in the field as possible, educate myself and you, the listener, on best practices, techniques, code updates, um, and experiences from experts that, uh, that know a lot better than I do. So um, without further ado, I'll, I'll introduce today's guest. Uh, his name is Damien Gunn. So uh, Damien and I go way back, uh, so we might get a little bit colloquial at times, but I assure you we are great friends. Um, I met Damien when he was a, a very different person, destroying me at poker uh, in his late teens, early 20s. Um, and even though he's a solid person, unfortunately, he is a Carlton supporter, so we won't hold that against him. Um, he's on a bit Says of a hype moment, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <sighs> Uh, he's obviously therefore on a bit of a high at the moment. So uh, welcome, mate. Um, I suppose, uh, can you go through a little bit about yourself and uh, and your role and what you do at the moment and what trade you're involved in? Yeah, thanks, Chris. So um, I run IRT Roofing and Cladding, a family-run business for nearly 20 years now. So we've been, uh, we've been very heavily involved in the ventilation, roofing, and uh, condensation management space for a long time, even before these codes are even uh, popped their heads up. We've been dealing with this issue for 20 years. So uh, we've been we've been here uh, mostly commercial and industrial, but uh, probably the last seven, eight years we've been hitting the residential space, which is probably, if not more challenging than industrial commercial. So yeah, it's me in a nutshell. Beautiful. And um, so... With your transition towards residential, do you find that that um, is more or less code reliant? <laughs> oh well, in my so my I'm very heavily focused in commercial and industrial, so that's my kind of bread and butter. Uh, is that's what I do uh, most of the time. Um, I've had to kind of learn the residential space about seven years ago. Um, it is pretty Fine. much zero documentation compared to his <laughs> a 379 page contract with 463 <laughs> plans, a finishing schedule, a specification, and uh, there you go. So <laughs> compared to his one yeah, plan, so go quote. So it, it's... Just go do it. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I, I think that that uh, definitely 
um, covers my space and knowledge of, of the difference between the industries is that you are just definitely expected to know everything before you step foot on that roof. So um, you can't just uh, wing it, I guess, is probably well, one way is, to put the it. The crazy thing, honestly, is it's like, here's the documentation to price from. And then when you price it off the documentation and you install it as per that documentation, they say, oh, yeah, but you should have known that, you know, <laughs> you should have done A, B, and C. It's like, come on, man. And look, um, I suppose that then you lose the job. So here we are. Yeah, no winning. Um, yeah, I mean, holistically, that's probably why this podcast really got off the ground in the first place is it because there is just a, I think there's a, just a huge gap in the industry, um, in the building industry in general, just in regards to what the expectations are, what the changes are, how often they change. Um, do they really need to follow the changes? Who's checking it anyway? Like it, the list goes on and depending on who you talk to, you'll get a different response. Well, if you can continue talking to all the different trades about these these issues, I mean, you're going to get a really good holistic view of every trade. And I know every, some trades are very heavily regulated and, you know, are very all over it. And then there's some trades who literally rock up to a job ready, you know, what am I doing today? So it's, it's yeah. very diverse out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I did want to touch on this a little bit uh, just to sort of go over, just because you are in a bit of a high at the moment, but... Um, your super coach rank, mate. You've been you've been bragging about it all week. Uh, I will say to the viewers out there, if you um, if you do recognise me, I'm actually the co-host of a, a, another podcast called Super Coach Insider, um, and I've been getting absolutely smashed. And every day I come to work, <laughs> have a chat with this guy, and he's what are you like one fifty or something now, or something stupid? Yeah, yeah, top top two hundred uh, rank, which is uh, which is better than you and Ben and Swizz, might I add. Uh, but that's okay. You know, you, I look for you for guidance. I've followed what your guidance, you don't follow your own guidance, but you know, which is, that is, uh, that is basically what I do. And then Friday night happens and you've changed what you've done. So we have a, a toolbox talk on Friday for super coach. We literally do. We actually started scheduling time in our calendars and realized that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> uh, this yeah, is what it is. We're doing um, well, though. We are doing well. We are doing well. Um, so go through a little bit of your background, buddy. So how, how did you start as a roofer? How did, um, how did your journey start? I mean, I've known you, obviously, the entire time. But um, to the viewers out there who don't know how you even got involved, and I know you said it was a family business, but um, how did yeah. you go from, you know, I don't even know what a, to step on a roof to, to laboring to... Now I'm running one of the largest roofing companies in Queensland. That, how did that transition work? Yeah, so so my dad was a subcontractor um, when I was growing up. He was a roof tiler by trade. So I used to go out with him and help load tiles and throw tiles off the roof and clean the ground for him when he was roofing. It's actually me, my mum, and my dad were doing that. And then oh, around 2000, really? yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a full on. So that was growing up, we used to do that. And then moved up to Queensland Um and he started getting into diversifying in supply and install uh, roofing. Then he got into metal roofing uh, and then kind of tinkered around uh, the residential space and kind of light commercial space. Uh, and then I didn't graduate high school till, you know, mid 2000, uh, 2006, I graduated. And then I had an opportunity to jump in and um, uh, work with them for a year, which I did. I went 
overseas for a few years to kind of travel around and see what else is out there and then come straight back into it and um, pretty much had a plan. Essentially, my, my family had a plan and said, you know, if we want to take this to the next level, you've got to get your head wrapped around sales, estimating, installation, site stuff, like to get a good holistic view. So I meant I, I couldn't you know, have a better traineeship, essentially. I, you know, pretty yeah. much learn all facets. And Here's the entire business. Just go learn it all, please. That'd be pretty great. much, pretty much. So it's, like, <laughs> it's actually, you know, the honest truth. It was like our estimator just, just got, just fired. We fired him. So now you got to go learn that. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we're short guys. Damo, go and do that. So it was probably a bit of the uh, whole awesome planning. Classic sort of. <laughs> At the time, I guess it was small business, so everyone yeah. wears many hats, right? So, so here's your new hat today, Damien. Would you like to do yeah. that? That's fantastic. We put a foot through the and so, you did a plaster, install back, and <laughs> Nice. Yeah, and so, so along the way, as yeah, I said, you uh, you obviously do you know, mainly commercial and industrial, now you're dabbling in that, um, that residential space. What, uh, talk us through some of the more memorable jobs that you've been on and um, and your experiences on them and probably the, the bigger jobs, I guess, and um, uh, how they sort of shaped the way that you uh, run the company today. Yeah, well, the, the most memorable jobs are usually the ones that go incredibly bad. Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> So we won't talk about the bad ones, uh, but the biggest ones, oh, Sasha, like, look, the biggest jobs are the ones where you've got a full team. So for as a trade-based business, it's pretty rare that you have jobs that you need a project manager, two site foremen, site laborers, you know, like a normal building site, but in a trade side of business, you don't really get them big jobs. So then big jobs are probably the most memorable. So we did the uh, Cairns Convention Center uh, re-roof and, and wall and Safit. That was a huge job. Uh, we had a very tight deadline on that one. So if anyone's seen the Cairns Convention Center, it's pretty much shaped like a seashell. So it was, oh, it was impossible. Sounds easy. It was impossible. It was, it was also a nightmare. Which the is architect of that project. <laughs> yeah, he's fired. <laughs> so, uh, so that was memorable. Um, Oki Army Barracks, we had a good job out there for, you know, good part of a year. Um, we're out there, got to see the Black Hawk choppers and all that while, while working. So pretty, pretty intense, but they're probably the two biggest jobs that we've had that we had to, had to get into. Nice. And so the transition to, to residential, what sort of uh, put been that push and, and why are you moving towards that side of the business? Or is it sort of an ever flowing uh, thing where you're jumping into different types of roofing at all times? Yeah, good question. So so pretty much in order to scale your business, well, we've found in a roofing industry that it's ebbs and flows. So re-roofing is really popular uh, when it's raining and, and repairs. So pretty much when it's not raining, everyone forgets they have a leaky roof. So if you just did re-roofs, <laughs> you know, when it's summer and it doesn't rain for six months, everyone forgets about it and you're slow. Um, so then you get into new roofs in, in those times. And then once you get into new roofs, then a bit of like right now, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, BAs have gone down by 30%. So new news going down. So then if you jumped into just new and you start slowing down, then where do you look? So we, we're pretty much just diverse and diverse and, our game plan is pretty much to have our major project, commercial and industrial projects, um, to kind of keep them as our baseline as a company and then feed our other divisions and, and just keep everyone busy. When you find good staff, you don't want to let them go. So you, you pick up work mm. to keep everyone busy full time all year round. So essentially, that's what yeah. how, how we got into it, just by necessity. 
Yeah, and I think um, it's the hardest thing in business, right? Finding the right people. Um, and did you, I know that you guys dabbled a little bit in insurance, re-roofing and things like that. Um, so was that spawned by just the de- sheer demand? I think it was, how many years ago now did we really have a big season where everything was insurance re- repair? Was that uh, two, three years ago, essentially? Or Oh, no, man. You've, we've had a, we've had a, like a, the last two years have been the most quiet for probably five. So in 2015, I think we started in Maruka in Brisbane when that yep. was a storm. Then we went to Gympie. Then we went to Springfield. Then we went to Sunshine Coast. Then we had Cyclone Debbie up north. Um, then Canberra had crazy hail. So uh, then Coffs Harbour had hail. Coffs Harbour got hit again. So it, it's, and once again, in that particular industry, if you just did insurance and just did storms, um, you know, for two years, you would have been pretty, pretty quiet. So diversification yeah. is pretty much key in those industries. But how and we got into insurance. Well, I guess. Well, business as usual is tough sometimes when you do like a commercial business because it's all tender based. So unless you've got contracts with particular builders, which is pretty rare, they always want market price. So they never really lock you in on rates or yearly contracts or cost plus or anything like that usually. Um, So insurance is very rare that someone says, hey, here's 50 jobs. Here's 100 jobs. So when there's, you know, when there's a storm and someone says here's 100 re-roofs, Okay. Sure. <laughs> you know, for no. these rates as well, because demand's high, right? So everyone wants yeah. um, them done quick, fast, and efficient. It doesn't always and happen. That sort of bleeds into um, hundred jobs. Yeah, that sort of bleeds into the, the next uh, part of what I wanted to chat about, and I think um, demand and labour obviously mm-hmm. seems to be very high all the time in roofing, um, at least in my experience mm-hmm. and um, in what I've been involved with. Uh, but also I don't see a lot of new tradesmen coming through a quality tradesman. Um, so would you say that, um, the amount of laborers coming through has decreased over the years, or do you find that there are less skilled tradesmen? Um, and do you, what would you suggest to people looking at coming into the roofing trade as a, as an industry? Yeah, so the roofing trade is probably one of the very few trades in Queensland in particular that is qualified, unqualified. There's definitely a difference in pay and, and training and skill, but you can still get a really good pay being a roofing labourer in Queensland because if you're okay. fast with your flashings, you're fast with everything, pace counts. Um, and then if you do that for a long period of time, you can get paid pretty much just as much as, as tradesmen if you're a good roofing laborer without the qualification. Whereas I know like for Sparkies, for example, like if you're an unskilled- You're a Sparky or not. Yeah, if you, if, yeah. yeah you, there's no, there's no Sparkies laborers who are, you know, flicking cables around and signing off, you know, shutdowns no. or anything like that. So it, it is a bit different. So the, the roofing trade is a good, uh, a good way to get in essentially to the construction industry, earn good money to start with. Like anything going to TAFE is, there's definitely a difference when it comes to skilled laborers and trade. If you go through your trade, you're 100% going to learn the nuts and bolts and the regulations, where, where the standards are, whereas some people come through wanting top dollar in our industry and you say, you know, what's the HB39? They have no idea what you're talking about. So yeah. um, doing your trade is essential for any trade uh, and that's a good place to start. And I'll probably recommend trying to stick with like a smaller crew a smaller company. Okay. 
um, just because yep. getting in with a, a little um, little sole trader or a, um, a smaller business, you're going to learn a lot more, a lot faster. So that's probably the only thing I would say, if you can. Fair enough. Um, another question I wanted to just go through with you. So everything seems to be getting automated and the building practices are changing all the time. Have you seen much change in the roofing industry over your time or does that seem to be pretty steady and pretty constant? Um, and is there anything on the horizon that you think may be good or bad for roofing in a technology sense? Um, hopefully automation is not taking away all of our jobs, but uh, yeah, how do you see that space at the moment and moving forward? Yeah, so, so from a new product development AI, um, um, I don't really see too much new technology when it comes to metal roofing. It's pretty much, you know, your screws get a bit of an upgrade, your coatings get a little bit of an upgrade. Um, not a lot of new products, which is why Benaroof's kind of a bit, bit of exciting for us to actually have a new product in the market. Um, in terms of AI and new innovation, it's really coming from drones in our roofing sector. So drones can now fly over a roof and show you where the moisture is, show you where the heat's coming from. Okay. Um, show you dents. So if you're doing a roof report or hail damage report, you can kind of see where all the damages are. AI is now starting to have a look at, they can do roof takeoffs and sheet lengths and work it all out just from flying over the house. So um, I know that's a lot of uh, being driven a lot from the US. So the metrics uh, are not always in our favor there, but it's always, it's getting pretty quick. So I think that's where you know a lot of our, you know roof reports hopefully will be a lot faster and more efficient with with AI. Yep. So in terms of you know money turnover, that's that's a good because you know you charge you know I'm not sure what you charge for a roof report, but you can pump them out a lot quicker, which means you can do a lot more. Um, hopefully yield if you're doing you know, insurance or repair work or maintenance or anything like that, you can turn that over for the client a lot quicker. Um, yeah, and you don't need as many guys running around all over the place trying to just do a, a report or do a quick quote or anything like that. So that's good. Well, it just opens up the field. So you can literally have a full-time drone operator as a job instead of a roofer also having to do it. Yep. You mentioned before the shortage of trades. Well, I've got two roofers going around doing roof reports. You can have one or two drone guys going around and keep the roofers doing the roofing. So it's also yep. an asset there. Nice. I like it. Um, now, code-wise, I've always wanted to as part of um, the podcast that we want to touch on and uh, I suppose highlight, especially to the listeners out there, is the changing of the code, how often it changes, how much that impacts your specific trade. So I know for me, pretty much, it's not solely reliant, but a, a large part of ventilation seems to be the be-all and end-all at the moment in the NCC, um, energy efficiency, condensation management, huge movement, huge talks. Everyone's pushing it. Everyone's sort of knowledgeable about it, but also no one really understands it, which is the, which is my part of my role is trying to educate that. How have you seen that in roofing go over the years? Is there any specific changes that you've had to make? How do you educate your teams on it? Um, or do you just take it on a job by job process? You know, once you get those plans in, you rely on the architects or the designers to have incorporated those into those plans or um, how much of that is left to the trade at the end of the day? All right, I've got a good question for you in answer to this. When you're trying <laughs> to sell Venta roof to the roofers, what do they say? <laughs> they don't like change at all. They don't want to, they they don't don't... Want to learn anything new. They, they've been doing the same thing for 20 years and uh, it's it worked so far. 
So, <laughs> exactly. But um, I'm sure they would always say, if it's on the plans, I'll do it. Or if it's specified, absolutely, yeah. I'll do it. So from yeah. a roofing perspective, um, you know, builders, the seven star ratings, you know, like what they're going for and the builders change. The builders are extremely responsible for all of it. Yeah. Maybe not particularly from a re-roofing side. So not long ago, uh, when we were ever doing re-roofs, now if there's more than 20% of a roof getting replaced, we have to get a building approval. That never used to happen. You know, roofers are now in charge of doing tie, tie down upgrades and carpentry work. When we do a re-roof, so we have to get engineers involved. So, you know, oh. those type of code changes run through our association and run through the QBCC in a pretty, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, I guess, broadcasted um, through, yeah. through us. Even these days still, I think that came out, I'm going to go probably four or five years ago. Don't quote me on that, but, you know, we've had the price, all those extra elements in. Um, but even this week, I lost the price to someone who's not not including that in a price because the homeowner doesn't want to pay no, the extra to don't. get engineering and to get the BA and to get the tie downs done. So they don't care. So the roof is like, oh, well, I'll still get the sale and move on. So that's why like, I feel like my safe space is commercial industrial, which is like everyone doesn't like it as much. But with commercial industrial, the builders are so switched on to like even, even just like firewalls, like fire ratings, you know, green star ratings, if there's a green star or seven star ratings or all their documents, yep. all of their specifications. And that's also driven from their clients. Like if you work for the Department of Education or the government, like their specifications are huge as well. So for them, it's, it's way more intense than us. And I don't ever really get asked directly, like how can I make this work? Sometimes you do. Um, but a yep. lot of the times it's unfortunately it's on the builder's hands to, to kind of, and, and responsibility to sort out. Yeah, I suppose. So you've got, you know, in large buildings and commercial construction, you've got, you know, project managers that are their sole role is to focus on that contract administrators that are you know, following up with making sure that all the trades are dotting their I's and crossing the T's and, and following those processes. Whereas in residential construction, you know, you might only have the one single builder might be just a you know, small uh, design and build guy that he's doing exactly. everything himself. Well, yeah, look, you can't bury your head in the sand either. You, know, you can't yeah. just bury your head in the sand and say, oh, no, they'll take care of it all for us. We've got to protect ourselves and make sure we are doing things properly as well and as per code. So it's a fine line. Um, you know, usually when we do hear change, we uh, we ask the builder about it and they're like, oh, yeah, we're working on it. Oh, yes, yeah, so we're, we're designing it. So the process just takes yep. forever yeah with, with anything so yeah and it's, it's a tough well, one. i mean with the new changes so they had obviously the the ncc 2022 came out uh yeah i think they announced it late 2022 usually it would be earlier um and they were like okay well yeah we'll, we'll start it off in a year's time or whatever that may be and then they roll that over um and then it gets delayed again and it got delayed again <laughs> And it, it seems like builders aren't coping at the moment. And I think that part of that is part of the, uh, due to the, we obviously had a shortage of, you know, some materials. We had, you know, price, steel price increases and, and this, uh, supply chain cost increases right across the board. How did you guys manage that in, in its entirety? I mean, I think you guys probably went through it as well as, uh, as roofers. Mm -hmm. Well, the good news for us is, is that 
the builder, yes, they ask for quotations at the start of tender time, so they get so they know a rough price, and they get our pricing then. But usually they're so busy that they don't send us a contract till probably man anywhere from two weeks before job starts, and then if they're really switched on, probably six weeks, maybe eight weeks. Okay, that's a good that, and that's being ahead of the game. Um, so when price rises occur, we add them on our price. And then if we price it before a price rise, it got sprung on us, we're able to redo our price and send it anyway. So the, I guess the liability that we had for holding them prices was um, pretty short term. As opposed mm-hmm. to builders, they'll price something two years ago, negotiate a contract, start the build. And then by the time they get to roofing, it's been a year and our price, we've had three price yeah. rises in that time. So they're the ones holding the bag, which is why even even this week, GCB have just gone into liquidation. Huge builder. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and um, so that seems to be happening you know, across the industry at the moment. We are seeing you know, quite a few builders fall over for various reasons, whether that be in the commercial sector. I know that there are quite a, a, a few large commercial builders went under, but also uh, obviously in, in residential builders too. Um, hopefully we don't see that trend continue, but the, the pressures seem to be on obviously supply costs. And now with the added pressures of an increase in the cost of builds and things like that, um, yeah, my knowledge at the moment of yeah, what it's going to cost with the new sort of condensation management and energy efficiency stuff is that it could be roughly anywhere between five to 20 grand, um, depending on the type of build that it is. But then I saw a report like two weeks ago saying, oh yeah, it's going to be like 70 grand. And so I think there's a lot of misinformation out there in the industry. I'm not sure if that's just to try and twist. But do you think, do people come to you and ask for solutions because there's issues though? Like we're so far behind, even in New Zealand across the ditch, they've got ventilation, for example, on everything. You go to anywhere in America, they've got stuff on everything. Like, their roofing systems and designs are, I wouldn't say that they're better in regards to like product, but they're definitely more switched on when it comes to systems, like creating yeah. air coming through the fascia all the way up to the roof. And, and, and they, they think about these things mainly because they've got large weather swings. So it's really cold and it's really hot. But at the same time, yeah. you know, Australia is pretty hot and it's pretty humid. Like we've got our own you know, climate issues here as well. And I think for yeah. Australia do kind of bury their head in the sand and very reactive, like, okay, we've had 10 issues. Now we've got to change it now, 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 which is probably why with yeah. this all NCC stuff, it's like they went too hard, too big, too quick. And the builder's like, well, just, let's just <laughs> pull on back. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pull back. Let's just wait a second, actually, you know, maybe itemize it and piecemeal it out and say, you know, and, and roll it out. Which, which I totally get. I, I, I suppose when you're in the trenches like I am um, with a lot of uh, condensation issues and things like that, um, it, it always definitely comes back to area. And I find it funny that the biggest area that I find has the problem at the moment is Victoria and Tasmania. They have the most condensation problems by far. It's, it's climate-based, right? So like you said, mm-hmm. New Zealand have more ventilation than the entire Australia. I guarantee you they do because they've realized that colder climates suffer from yeah. more condensation 100%. issues. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, with the national code, they've, they've come out and said, you know, it obviously hasn't done what they wanted it to do um, over the time, and they're, they're trying to change that. But uh, very much area is the, is the biggest, yeah, or the climate is the biggest um, determinant of where or how bad something is going to be based on the current standard. So um, 
I find it strange that Victoria are the ones with the biggest pushback and wanting to delay things and delay things, but they're also the ones in my experience that have the most problems holistically through the code. And I've got builders calling me all the time saying, yeah, I built like to code and now I have all these issues. I've got to go do remediation works now. Um, and that's the phone calls that I get on my end. So Rufus mm-hmm. contacting me saying, yeah, like this, I've been doing this for 20 years, 30 years, uh, you know, nothing's changed. And now all of a sudden all these problems, I'm like, well, that's, uh, that's going to happen. So well, yeah, yeah look, it might be a big hit early on, but these standards, are, it seems like they're really thinking about it at least. And they've got some decent solutions in there to kind of prevent these issues from happening. So it might be a hit in the short term, but the long term, you know, you may not have to change anything. Once again, in the next 10 years, 20 years, like you got to get it right though. We're, we're pretty yeah. far behind. So what would you suggest? So I suppose we tackle this problem on a day-to-day basis. Um, but yeah, we've mentioned it a couple of times now that you know, roofers are old hat. I feel like that's general general trades right across the board. You know, everyone likes doing it how they were taught to do it. But after their apprenticeship, they go, yep, I've learned everything I need to know about this trade. I never need to learn anything ever again. I'm all good. Um, how would you suggest is a, a good way to be able to roll out changes that are going and educate, you know, trades with them being satisfied that, you know, they're learning something that's going to be positive for their actual experience and job? but also uh, that they're not going to ignore it and just be like, ah, I don't need to worry about that. Is there any any sort of suggestions? Well, I think tackling or... real problems is probably the issue with that. And I, I think if I understand your question, probably like, you know, trades don't like new things. Well, that's cool. And I agree with it some say. So it's like safety, for example, has been a huge thing in our industry. And if someone's working on a live edge five stories high, and now edge protection is now a new safety thing that we have to do. You're not going to hear anyone put up their hand and say, oh, this is, you know, this is bullshit. You know, I don't want edge protection five stories up. No one's going to say that because it's like incredibly practical, you know. But instead of putting one screw in instead of two, seems silly as a change, for example. So why, why are we doing this? This is unhelpful and stupid. If you have practical change in the industry by talking to industry experts or people in the field or you know associations or someone and they say hey this is an actual problem for us let's tackle that problem instead of someone saying okay these are the 36 changes we're going to go starting tomorrow let's go it's like well wait a minute are these actually necessary and what are they necessary for so with my guys especially so um all the appalling cladding issues that we've got so fire fireproofing yeah. issues you know there have been some pretty terrible you know situations where buildings are up in flames and that that tape man that 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 will light <laughs> that your, bu- yes. your building will go up if if it is right yep. so cladding starting that was hugely publicized with the, the big building in melbourne wasn't it that um the entire whole just, just started burning one day <laughs> and it kept going because um, the tape is so so yeah. it's like one square meter equals like one liter of fuel like that's the test that's literally wow. what happens so it's like who and now who, who's going to put their hand up and say oh, okay now we don't have to change that well obviously we have to change that so you know to the credit of a lot of role formers here that okay cool they're coming up with new wall cladding solutions and people are going to have to start learning different wall cladding systems and it's it's happening it's practical and my guys actually like it it's a good finished product and they and they like that change but it, it's sensible it's sensible and makes sense so 
as I said before, like the standard changes, which are irrelevant to helping you know, yep. the industry are just ticking a box, I guess. Or if they don't yeah, understand. That's where they get frustrated. Yeah. Um, like if you, um, you know, if you had a house that's absolutely full of mold and disgusting and, and whatever, you'd be a lot, you know, a lot more up to it. That's it. Yeah. Anecdotal experience is, is the number one reason why people will be like, okay, well, what happened with this roof? How can I uh, look at this roof and then use that as an example to teach others uh, solutions on how to combat that? That's all good in, in hindsight, but the, the, I suppose a lot of the code is, is preventative and they want to try and put measures in place so that even though, from a worst case pos- example, and I think the, the easiest way to say this is it, a, a same, the same street, say in Brisbane, for example, you could have 10 houses on it and not a single issue on one, but one in the corner has a massive amount of mold. And the reason is that there's trees that overhang it from a certain direction and it doesn't dry the, the, the moisture and the condensation during the day, for example. Um, but the knowledge of, okay, well, it's just the tree that's the issue, but that could also be an issue in other streets and other, other places too. So they could have installed 10 houses completely fine and just go, ah, oh, well, let's just not forget about that, that 11th one. Or they could put measures in place across all all of the 10 houses that won't yeah. happen for any of them regardless. And I suppose that is, uh, is what the code is trying to push, but not necessarily getting successful with um, from, a, from the trade level, I guess, is, is the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah, we'll see your system, for example, residential ridge ventilation. Like obviously you get more surface area to, to vent, right? It's actually quite yes. easy. You have to put a ridge on anyway. So, you know, the, the, the change, you can kind of explain it, understand it. And people were like, yeah, okay, that's cool. One willy bird and opening in your roof this big is not going to do anything. You know, yeah. what, what's that going to do <laughs> realistically? Um, you know, they leak, they stop. You get, you know, it's a nightmare to, to put them on. They're cheap. But that's the thing. They're cheap, right? They're cheap. Then they're you they're cheap. Box. They're quick. Do you guys, um, I think I saw a video once of you uh, having a competition with the on a commercial roof, like the fastest guy to install a willy bird. Is that you or is that one of the yeah. boys on site? Uh, yeah, that was, what a was, that was, what was I was the, I, I filmed it. What did the record end up being? Oh, I think it was like a minute 40. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, yeah, so that's that insane, minute, by the way. A minute 40 to, yeah. So just from scratch, that was to cut the hole, put the willy bird on, cut it, dress it in, Put the hood on, screw it off. It's a lot. Minute forty. Done. So, Minute forty. Well, yeah, that's, that's great. That's why people do it, and it's easy, and you can get it done. <laughs> However, that can fully ventilate your house. No, no, it's not. So people might absolutely not. So. Yeah, I can. I completely understand. All right. Well, look, mate. It was uh, awesome chatting to you uh, about all things roofing and uh, your experiences and. Um, uh, in the commercial, industrial, and obviously now residential space. Um, it was, uh, what was the name of the company again? IRT Roofing. IRT Roofing. All right. So guys out there, if um, you are looking for a guy in that space that uh, knows what he's talking about, hit up Damien. Uh, do you have uh, a s- social links that they can hit you up at, mate? Oh, just LinkedIn's probably the best. Damien Garn at IRT Roofing uh, is, is where to find me on LinkedIn. We post pretty much every week, every second week of projects come coming through and and what we do. Nice. Well, do you have any uh, a big one coming up at, at the moment? A big project that you're looking forward to? <sighs> That's the hard thing. It's like look forward to. It's like so much work, but it'll be good. So, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, we've got a big shopping center coming up in uh, in southeast Queensland. We're gonna do. We've got uh, a lot of different products, a lot of new products, a lot of architectural stuff. So we'll be there for the next year. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome, I look forward to it, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, man.